If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Broadcast. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. With you as always, I am your ever so humble host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. All right, boys and girls, where to even start? There's a lot to go over today. Uh, definitely want to talk about uh, this, these events that have taken place, especially over the weekend at the Trump uh, campaign events in particular. Uh, obviously, they're a hot topic, and for good reason. Uh, but uh, because that conversation might tend to go a bit long, and because I do intend on opening up the phone lines for uh, folks who want to join us, call in, see what's going on, have their say, uh, I want to actually move that a little later on. So we'll take care of the housekeeping type stuff, and then we'll power into it. Uh, housekeeping type stuff means regular segments that you guys have come to know, and at least according to the feedback I get, at least you like it. I don't know, but you'd love it, but you seem to like it. Uh, headlines that you may have missed and outrages of the week. We didn't get to last week's. Outrage of the week and uh, headlines you may have missed uh, because we ran a little long, partially uh, because of callers, which is always a good thing. Uh, part of the doing this uh, on air, doing it live, the reason you broadcast the show instead of just pre-recording and throwing it all in is so that you can get those live reactions and you can have that genuine communication. And I think the second caller in particular was a pretty good radio call. Uh, we discussed it. He's a, he was 
I'm assuming he still is, registered Republican from California, and we were talking about Trump support in California. Uh, he said he wasn't necessarily a Trump supporter, but that he has friends who are, um, who are both Republicans and Democrats. And we had that interesting conversation. I actually wish we could have continued it a little further, but unfortunately it came a little too close to the end of the broadcast. Also had a call earlier uh, where a very good question was asked about whether or not I personally believe Donald Trump will actually uh, put his business interest aside uh, for the purposes of being president uh, should he become the president. And uh, of course, Donald says he will, and it seems unlikely that he would be able to manage day-to-day operations of his business dealings and still put the necessary focus on being the president of the United States. says his family, his children are ready to take over and do what's necessary. But at the same time, it's really, really hard to imagine that somebody who's as hands-on as the Donald has at least given the appearance of being uh, would really be able to step aside. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, no matter how much confidence you have in somebody, when you built up a business yourself, that's your baby. You don't necessarily want to entrust it in someone else's hands, even if you firmly believe that you can. Yeah, this guy, I trust him. But for how long? For a few hours? For a day or two? For maybe eight years, and that's going to be your source of income, primary source of income, one would imagine, after you're done, presumably being president. Hmm. That's a little harder. So you've got that going on. Plus, then you always have to wonder, well, how are people going to feel about me coming back? What if somebody is actually better at running my business than I was? And Well, there you go. Lots of reasons. So it was a great question, and it's one that I don't feel qualified to answer other than to say that Trump says he will. Do I believe everything Trump says? Obviously, I do not. Lots of people out there do, and lots of people out there will criticize me for saying that I don't, but… Come on. How well do we really know this guy? <laughs> I mean, even if you've watched every episode of The Apprentice, what do you really know about Donald Trump? He likes to say you're fired a lot. That's really about it. He's been very good at real estate development and at branding. That doesn't necessarily make him the green light guru of all business. Like him or hate him, he is good at that part. Is that good enough? I don't know, but how much, other than having authority over certain trade deals, how much does it matter if he's really as good of a businessman as he lets on? I mean, the misrepresentations are out there. We've talked about that. I hate it when people flat out lie or misrepresent. Biggest news in the campaign, though, had to be the fact that Ben Carson has now endorsed the Donald. Trump gets a – well, at least to me, a surprising endorsement from Ben Carson. I certainly didn't believe that Ben Carson was particularly likely to endorse 
uh, Ted Cruz at this point. And there's still some animosity and some hurt feelings over the whole Iowa thing. And I would like to point out the same thing that uh, the professor, or the underground professor, happened to mention in his uh, show the other night. And that is that what was reported by the Trump campaign – Trump, I'm sorry, the Cruz campaign people was true. They reported that according to CNN, he was getting out. So that part was true. Now, we all know though, and we even talked about it not too long ago when Ken Crow was on here. We actually discussed that, and Ken's completely convinced that it was Ben Carson would have been supporters that jumped over to Cruz that made the difference between Cruz winning the Iowa caucus over Trump. So he thinks it was dirty politics all the way around. He thinks Trump probably beats Cruz in that first one. If he doesn't trick the Ben Carson supporters. Now, if that's the case, that's pretty crappy. And it is uh, in pretty bad taste going ahead and going with that anyway. Uh, we discussed it then. Cruz could have very easily just went ahead and called the Carson folks to verify that that was, in fact, what Ben was going to do. So it could have been handled very differently. should have been handled very differently. They saw an opening, and they ran with it, and they didn't bother to verify, uh, and they trusted CNN to do their verification for them. So uh, a lot of mistakes there. I think they just got some information they wanted, and they wanted to run with it. But at any rate, still a lot of hurt feelings there, and understandably so. Uh, had Ben Carson done better in Iowa, which you know I've said right here, I was shocked that Carson's numbers weren't stronger. I wasn't surprised so much about the the placement of one and two, but I was very surprised that Ben Carson didn't do better. It's hard to quantify exactly how much that report that was going throughout this different cockeye, plural of caucus. It's hard to, to quantify how much of that really made a difference that day, but there's still no question. There's still some hurt feelings on the part of uh, Dr. Carson towards Ted Cruz. If it wasn't for that, would he have endorsed Ted Cruz over Donald Trump? I don't know. I do know he wasn't about to endorse Marco Rubio or uh, Governor Casey. And that's because, much the same as Ted Cruz and Donald Trump, Carson was never part of the GOP establishment, so he was never part of the good old boys club that exists there, and he was never made to feel welcome. They liked having him speak at events, but they didn't like the idea of him gaining traction as a potential presidential candidate. Uh, and one of the scariest moments in this campaign was that short, brief time when Carson was getting traction, and he was there at the top, and he was a potential strong candidate to come out with that nomination. What happened is he was still a little weak on foreign policy at that point. A couple of uh, interviews showed that to be the case, and the next thing you know, uh, 
that along with his soft-spokenness, which led to this false impression of him being weak, kind of dried up the money and saw voters move away. Now, the other big news of this past week makes it very clear that both Rubio and Kasich have given up on actually trying to win the nomination by winning you, the voters, over. They have. Why do I say that? Simple. Marco Rubio's national communication director this past week was telling Rubio supporters in Ohio to vote for Kasich. Now that's straight out of the playbook that was laid out by the GOP establishment in Mittens Romney's really, really awesome speech that we talked about last week, and I even played the whole speech. I, I went back and forth, and I even told – it was even going back and forth about playing it up until the time that I decided to go ahead and push the button because I think it's important to hear it in its entirety instead of just sound bites because that way you hear what's actually said, and you don't get it manipulated one way or the other, so you can either get even angrier than what the sound bites make you, or maybe you hear him making what – might seem like a pretty legitimate case against the Donald, and that all depends on your personal feelings. But I know a lot of people had not heard the speech in its entirety, so I went ahead and played the whole thing. hope you didn't find that too boring. That also kind of cut into my time, uh, so I didn't get to everything I had hoped for. <coughs> so what do we have that says… Kasich still thinks he can win. Even if he wins Ohio, which some polls still have him slightly trailing Trump in Ohio, even if Kasich wins Ohio, there's no other place going forward where he does any better than third. And as such, he doesn't gain enough delegates to legitimately win. By now, in previous campaigns… People setting where Kasich and where Rubio are setting in delegate counts with the amount of money being spent, especially since most of the money that's being spent by those guys are being spent by super PACs and not their actual campaign because, let's face it, donations have dried up for both these guys. Ordinarily, these guys would have dropped out by now, and a one-on-one -on -one confrontation between Cruz and Trump, a lot of these states coming forward probably… Ends a little differently. Trump probably still gets the majority of them and probably gets the nomination. Cruz, however, I think would do better than expected because then you not only have the Cruz supporters, but you also have the not Trump supporters. So there's going to be people that are going to come out and vote for Cruz at that point just because they don't want the Donald. Now, the GOP establishment does not want that either because if there's one person running that they hate more than uh, Donald Trump, it's Ted Cruz. He's stood up and called them out, told the public what trickery was going on in the Senate. Uh, hey, look, we actually want this to happen, but we want to tell our constituents that we uh, opposed it. So we're going to change the rules to let them go ahead and vote. We're going to go ahead and uh, let them change the rules here. We're going to support that. 
but then we'll still turn around, and they're going to be able to just vote strictly along Democrat lines there, and we'll be able to stand up, and we'll be able to tell the American people. We'll be able to tell our constituents that we oppose it. We have voted against it. Well, Cruz wasn't having it. He stood up, and he said no. He said, that's not right. That's not us doing what we said we would do. That's not us being honest and truthful to our constituents and to the American people in general. He called them out on it, and he's called them liars. So believe me, the establishment hates Cruz way more than they hate Donald Trump because at the very least, they think they can work with Trump. They don't like his style, and they don't like the fact that he's changing all the rules as far as what it takes to win an election. But like it or not… That's where they're at. That's the only reason why they're working towards a brokered convention at this point. They want to keep both Kasich and Rubio in to the very end if at all possible because the only real solution at this point would be to go ahead and unite if you still wanted to actually legitimately beat Trump in the delegate count going in and still have a chance to get to the magic numbers… You now would have to combine Kasich on a Cruz ticket. Cruz as president, Kasich running as vice president, unite those two groups because Rubio unfortunately has become irrelevant. There's some polls that has Rubio running as far as third place in Florida right now. Now, it's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved, Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Of course, these polls are exactly that. They're just polls. We don't know how things are going to play out until they actually do play out, and sometimes these polls have been known to be very wrong. 
But the very fact that the majority of polls has Rubio at second place and some of them has him in third place in his home state means that it's not going to happen. And despite the fact that he's technically not eligible because he does not, and I'm sorry all you Rubio supporters who are going to argue with me, but he does not meet the eligibility standard of natural-born citizen because his father didn't become a citizen until after he was four years old. Is he a citizen of the United States? Yes, he was the recipient of birthright citizenship. Is Ted Cruz a citizen of the United States? Yes, he is a citizen as of now. Neither one of those guys meet the birthright. They don't meet the natural-born clause. And I know there's still a lot of people, a lot of very smart people who just happen to either support Cruz or Rubio that argue that that's not correct. In fact, a very smart lady. I'm not going to call her out by name, but she's been a guest on this show before a couple of times, and she is uh, constantly writing, and she is a co-host of a show that airs through the week. So I'm not going to get deeply into the names. Uh, you can probably figure it out if you know the lady at all or if you go back and check out the archives. It's not my favorite lady patriot, uh, but it is someone else who has previously been associated with the lady patriots and no longer is. She very smart lady, very opinionated though. She comes out strong opinion. She's been a strong Marco Rubio supporter since the beginning. She keeps going back to the fallback position of Natural-born citizen isn't technically defined in the Constitution, so what other people have asserted is the actual definition. That doesn't count. The truth of the matter is I know she knows that the reference to natural-born means they were looking for a specific condition of citizenship, not just a citizen is good enough. And I know that she knows that, that natural born is a reference to natural law as it existed at the time. It was very much on the founders' and the framers' minds as they established our republic. But all that being said, they want a brokered convention. What is a brokered convention, you might ask, if you just happen to be accidentally finding this show and you don't know, you don't understand the term? All it means is… That one candidate does not come into the convention with enough delegates automatically get the nomination that have been allotted to them. Uh, for example, the magic number in the Republican side is 1,237. Which, by the way, in case you're wondering, I'll give you the current delegate count since the D.C. caucus and a few others have happened since our last broadcast. So I'll give you the current updated number of delegates established for both sides here in just a little bit. But when you have a brokered convention, what you have in this case would be a situation for Donald Trump for whatever reason does not reach the 1,237 delegates needed to automatically get the nomination. So all of these delegates go in. These delegates have pledged to vote for their candidate on that first vote. So the first time we go through, let's say that the delegate count stayed exactly where it is right now. 
Kasich has 63 delegates. Rubio has 163 delegates. So he's actually still in third place overall, but that momentum is slowing. I mean, that's uh, the 63 for Kasich is huge uh, bump up from where he was previously. Okay, Ted Cruz currently sits at 370. Donald Trump currently sits at 460. Now let's say that you go in and you vote right now. You're a delegate. You're going to the convention. You vote exactly like that. 460 goes to Trump. He obviously does not have enough to win the nomination. So what happens then in a brokered convention? Now, again, I've heard people say that this is dirty pool. They're trying to change the rules. They're not. This actually is a rule that's been in existence for a long time. The dirty part is the GOP establishment trying to force a brokered convention at this point. They should be setting back. They're supposed to be neutral just like everyone else in the party. They're supposed to be neutral until the people, the voters, the base, through the use of the caucus and the primary system, select who they want to be their nominee. And then the party is supposed to get behind them. That's the way this part of the process is supposed to work. So trying to enforce a brokered convention is the part that has a lot of people frustrated and seems like just an extension of the problems we've had. Okay, so now for your brokered convention, you have the first vote. Everybody votes the way they're pledged to vote. Nobody gets to that 1,237 votes needed. Of course, it would be really hard for them to do it uh, right today because there's still uh, roughly 1,400 and actually not roughly. There's exactly 1,401 delegates yet to still be won. So there's still technically mathematically at this point every reason to believe that any one of the four, presumably if they could get an overwhelming majority of those delegates left, that they could still win. <laughs> Excuse me. But now you're there, and everybody's voting. Nobody got that magic number. So what happens next is they go behind closed doors, and they start bickering and uh, talking and working and going back and forth. They go to work trying to convince somebody who was there to support Rubio that they should support Kasich or somebody that supported Kasich that they should support Cruz. Or worse than that, and here's the scariest part. Uh, to me, is that the rules as they have existed, and there's no rule changes going on here. This is what a broker convention does. They can all get together and say, none of these clowns deserve it because none of them could unify enough people. Let's pick someone else. Enter Mittens Romney. You know what? I don't know where that nickname came from, Mittens for Mitt. I don't know where that came from, but I've heard it a lot, and I think it suits him very well. So I'm going to go with it too. I'm going to keep using it. Too. So if you don't like it, let me know. Uh, you can uh, go to the Tap Into the Truth Facebook page, or you can uh, go to tapintothetruth.com. You can send me a message. If you don't like it, eh, I can go back to just calling him Mitt. Uh, and of course, everybody thinks Mitt's automatically trying to get back into the race himself. And he very easily could at a brokered convention because if you convince enough of these delegates that none of their guys are going to win, they need to consider somebody else from a third party who's a viable candidate. Uh, now, Mitt should not be considered a viable candidate at this point. He's a two-time loser. 
he didn't even get the nomination the first time he ran, and he lost what should have been a slam dunk a race against Barack Hussein al Akbar Obama. So even if Mitt was to come out the nominee, it'd be a bad move for the GOP. They really shouldn't. They really, really shouldn't push this. <laughs> so here you are. You're left with this situation where these are the delegates currently. And I'll go over the numbers again real quick just in case you weren't paying particularly close attention. Kasich has currently 63 uh, committed delegates. Rubio has 163. So we've got 100 more than Kasich. Put them together, they're still not quite to that 370 that Cruz has. And they're close. And you're talking 166? No, you're talking 266. Okay. I don't know why I'm leaving that one alone. Got to add the one that's coming over. So you're talking at, uh, looking at 126. Give you, but, that, you're looking at 226. Wow. I had the right numbers in my head, uh, and I'm still saying different numbers because I'm still looking at the 163 that Rubio has. But it's Kasich at 63. It's Rubio at 163. It is Cruz at 370, and it is Trump at 460. So Trump still has a considerable advantage, and he is considered to be far and above uh, in the majority of the states left to go in the primary season. Uh, meanwhile, over in the delegates, uh, Democratic side for delegates, uh, the magic number there is 200 and – Okay, I'm, I think I may just have to stop trying here and move on. The number of delegates needed for the nomination is 2,383. There are still 2,958 available. Hillary Clinton currently has better than twice the number that Bernie Sanders has. Bernie has 576. Hillary Clinton has 1,231. However, the biggest majority of that lead, that advantage that Hillary has, comes in the form of the superdelegates, which means they're automatically delegates regardless. They come along anyway, and they are not bound by the votes. So if you look at pledged delegates alone, the people that are actually going as a result of the voting in the states… Well, suddenly that's a much, much closer race. Hillary has only a slight edge over Bernie. So is the fix in? Are the superdelegates going to be the determining factor there? I tend to think the answer is yes, and I tend to think the only reason Hillary Clinton has a chance of beating Bernie down the stretch is because she's going to continue to pick up superdelegates. And the superdelegates are going to make a difference for her, period. But you get into this brokered convention situation, and you know we talked about it some last week. Mitt Romney should have never gave the speech, and he should have never gotten involved. The GOP establishment should not have gotten involved. And down to the bottom line is they should not still be having meetings as they were caught doing this week in an effort to determine the best strategy moving forward just to… Dump Trump. 
It's not the role of the GOP establishment to determine who the people select. And I've said this before, and I will say it again. Yes, the GOP and the DNC are both technically private clubs. But the very instant that they put a taxpayer on the hook for paying for part of the selection process, they are obligated to listen to the voice of the people. The GOP has lost track of the fact that they haven't lost their base because they're uninformed or low information, which sadly Ted Cruz said that most Trump supporters are, and I know for a fact that's not true. Uh, I heard Cruz apologize and try to back up that statement a little bit since then, but he still hasn't backed it off completely. And while it may be true that some of the Trump supporters uh, are maybe closer to the low information end of the scale, the overwhelming majority of them are not. That assertion is just incorrect. Is he tapping into the anger? Is he creating a situation that helps fan the the flames of violence? And we'll we'll talk about that mostly in the second hour. But in the meanwhile, are they low information voters? The majority of the Trump supporters are just the opposite of that, which is part of why I've had such a hard time understanding why so many of them are in fact Trump supporters. Because it seems to me like Trump is exactly the kind of guy that these people would have run away from or criticized or would have been organizing to run somebody else against him. But uh, Trump has once again branded himself as exactly the kind of candidate that these people are looking for, and as a result, he's leading in a convincing fashion. The GOP establishment's only path to possibly select any candidate that they want is a brokered convention because they don't want Cruz either. The only way to stop Trump from getting the total number of delegates necessary and somebody else that's running to legitimately get the right number of delegates in order to legitimately beat him going in involves Ted Cruz. Is it too late to get Rick Perry or Scott Walker back in this race. I mean, if we're going for a brokered convention anyway, why not? At least then we've got a shot of getting an actual conservative who can stand up to the Democrats and who's worth possibly actually having in the White House and who happen to be constitutionally eligible. It's all… All that. I want to take a quick break now. When we get back, we're going to take care of those outrages of the week and uh, headlines you may have missed. We're going to hit those quick. And then in the second hour, we're going to devote as much of that as you guys want because when the lines, phone lines open up, uh, I'll say my piece until somebody calls. And if I run out of things to say before somebody else calls, then we'll change the subject. But in the meanwhile, we'll take a quick break right now. And in a few minutes, we'll get back and we'll start taking care of those stories. So stay with me. I'll be right back. And yes, I am just a little bit jaded. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. 
Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Otherwise, I'm just not going to have enough time. Again, thanks for staying with me through the break. Uh, definitely had to uh, whip my whistle a little bit. 
Uh, I want to thank everybody who's listening today in particular. Uh, those of you who listen to the podcast after the live show, still great, strong numbers going on at Spreaker and uh, at Stitcher.com in particular. Tune in. Uh, you guys have really been catching up here lately. And the folks over at iTunes, you guys have dropped off a little, so you better pick it up. Come on, guys. At any rate, I uh, seem to be having an issue in the chat room right now, so I'm trying to get it back up. <coughs> Excuse me. A uh, quick reminder note to all of you who are concerned about podcasting. Uh, the music that I play here, with the exception of Miracle, which I have full permission from both the artists who wrote and recorded the song, uh, everything else comes from a uh, service and that service, I pay the reasonable amount. They drill directly with unsigned artists. These are independent artists trying to make a living off their music, but they haven't signed a deal with uh, anybody in particular. So they're all independent, and I, I've always liked supporting independent folks who are in the arts and trying to be artistic. Okay, well, let's start with the two Headlines that you may have missed stories. Uh, first and foremost, one is more of an op-ed that's uh, it's not a particularly – it's not groundbreaking news. But it's an opinion piece that I think is powerful and I think makes the point that's worth looking at. And we'll take a look at that. But the first one is actually – some pretty big news from folks who ordinarily would be part of the uh, cabal that would be trying to hide this information. Uh, NPR and Harvard say that Obamacare is a complete failure. Who would have thunk it? Who knew? Seriously. And that was your headline, and that was from March 9th, by the way. Uh, basically, what we've got going on here is National Public Radio collaborated with Harvard's T.H. Chan School of Public Health and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation to survey Americans' recent experience with healthcare. As to the Affordable Care Act, the survey's findings are rather damning. They suggest that Obamacare has been worse than a complete waste of money. This is the survey's only question directly on Obamacare. Most respondents say that Obamacare hasn't affected them. Where it has affected them, most say the law's impact has been harmful. And it breaks down like this. Uh, perceptions of the Affordable Care Act – impact on survey participants or on people in the state where they live. And then they have this bar graph. Uh, directly helped, 15% answered that directly helped on an individual basis. No direct impact, 56%. Directly hurt, 25%. Then they turn around and answer that also with the people of your state. And then they say, mm -hmm. And respondents said 35% uh, were directly helped. Now, that doesn't mesh on the individual level, but it does mesh with the perception 
that the media has tried to portray. So answering individually, only 15% of them said, yes, it's directly helped me. When asked what you think it has done for the people of your state, 35% have said that they think it's directly helped. No direct impact at all, 21%. And then directly hurt, 27%. So these same people who 25% said it's hurt them directly, uh, only 27% said that it's hurt the people of the state. So not a huge disconnect, not a big change. That actually stayed pretty proportionate. Uh, the only real change is in looking at the no direct impact to directly help numbers. They still have the misconception propagated by the media that Obamacare has been helpful to the people of their state. Now, uh, the promises that Obamacare um, – well, promises made about Obamacare by the occupier, you know, things like – Cheaper premiums, lower co-pays, oh, and don't forget lower deductibles, better coverage. Well, all that's completely failed to materialize, and there's there's no way to doubt it. These people knew. This is not even an unintended consequence. These people knew going in that if you put forward this opportunity for insurance companies – to be forced into covering all kinds of things and that these policies are going to have to cover way more than the individuals might even be wanting to get, that it's going to cost more, not cost less. So by not putting any kind of backdrops in there saying, okay, insurance companies have to do this and they're not allowed to charge more than ABC, whatever dollar signs they wanted to pay. Now, they knew they weren't going to get support to pass that, and that's their excuse for not putting it in. But they knew what the result was going to be, so they knew cheaper premiums, lower co-pays, and lower deductibles. Nah, not going to be there. And the saddest part of all is for most people who could get what they could afford, the coverage was actually less than what they were getting before. So no surprise, but uh, it is kind of nice to see it. Documented, in particular by a group of people who ordinarily would be supporting it. Uh, another figure that was offered up, another bar graph: a percent of adults in the U.S. who say their health insurance benefits, co-pays, and deductibles and premiums have increased, decreased, or stayed about the same over the past two years. Also very telling. As far as benefits. 12% of the people surveyed said they decreased. 70% said they're about the same. 16% said they increased. So that part alone doesn't sound that bad. I do think that uh, those numbers aren't a particularly accurate sampling of what's happened for most Americans, though. Because, um, well, I guess... What you have to remember is for the folks that stayed the same or increased, it's because they had to get a different plan than what they had. So then things like co-pays, deductibles, and premiums changed drastically. And so we'll take a look at that. For the co-pays and deductibles, 4% of the people surveyed said that they decreased. Uh, roughly 56% said they stayed about the same, with 35% said that co-pays and deductibles increased. 
I tend to think that probably ought to be closer to 50-50 between the stayed the same and increased. But uh, again, I'm not sure who they actually sampled in the survey. And then as far as premiums are concerned, uh, this much I very believe as well. Uh, 4% said that their premiums decreased. Uh, 46% said their premiums stayed about the same. And 45% said their premiums increased. I, as far as the people who already had insurance, I could buy that. But for the folks who now have insurance who didn't before, I would think they would, by definition, have to say that their premiums increased. So you might want to throw those numbers out for the interest of some type of symmetry, I suppose. But I think the reality is there's a lot more people who saw premium increases just because there's a lot more people paying premiums. So again, I think this was focused only at people who already had insurance and the effect it's had on them. Now, uh, you remember how we were all supposed to save $2,500 a year in health insurance premiums? Uh, well, like I just pointed out, only 4% said that they saved anything, and those respondents are probably wrong. For the vast majority, Obamacare has either done nothing or has increased the cost of health care, counting premiums, deductibles, and copays. <laughs> Good going, Barack. The federal government has had its share of failures over the years, but it is hard to think of a federal program that has proved such a comprehensive disaster in such a short period of time as the Affordable <laughs> yeah, Affordable Care Act, which, by the way, still hasn't even been fully implemented yet. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. We had to pass the bill to find out what's in the bill, and we still haven't found out everything yet. Uh, as the Democrats have postponed some of its more baleful effects until 2017. So the number of people who are hurt by Obamacare, uh, you know, by losing the employer-based coverage with which they were content, and so that's destined to rise. Uh, so there's still a lot of stuff going on that we have yet to feel the effects of. So that's one of the headlines that you may have missed. The other one I thought was actually pretty funny more than anything else. Uh, not so much a news article as it was just an opinion piece, but I think it's well worth talking about. And uh, this one comes from ZeroHedge.com, in case you're wondering the source. This one is Seven Harsh Realities of Life Millennials Need to Understand. Now, if you did come across this, then hey, you're ahead of the curve. Uh, after all, uh, this one is one that did not get a whole lot of attention that I saw largely. I did share it, and there are links to all these stories uh, to the Tap into the Truth Facebook page in case you're interested. Uh, you can go back and read some of these for yourself. You'll find out uh, I'm not just sitting here reading the articles verbatim. Um, sometimes I read a good part of it, but uh, that being irregardless, uh, this particular article was, of course, uh, submitted by the Libertarian Republic uh, by their uh, the Burning Platform blog. And it simply says that millennials, uh, they may not yet be the present but they're certainly the future. These young, uninitiated minds will someday soon become our politicians, doctors, scientists, chefs, television producers, 
fashion designers, manufacturers, and, one would hope, the new proponents of liberty. But are they ready for it? Time after time, particularly on college campuses, millennials have proven to be little more than entitled, spoiled, anti-intellectual brats who place far too much emphasis on feelings and nowhere near enough emphasis on critical thinking. To the millennial, words are cause for the creation of safe spaces. Alternative ideas must be stifled, and anything they perceive as a microaggression is enough to send them spiraling into a state of mental distress. It's time millennials understood these seven harsh realities of life that we don't end up with a generation of gutless adult babies running the show. Now, I would ask the question if we don't already have that at the moment, given the Obama administration. Ah, but that's just me. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, harsh reality number one. Your feelings are largely irrelevant. <laughs> Seriously. Nobody who has already graduated college cares about your feelings. That means when you complain to your boss because your coworker misgendered you, he's probably not going to bend over backwards to bandage your wounds. Giving feelings are entirely subjective in nature. It's completely unreasonable to demand everyone tiptoe around you to prevent yours from being hurt. The reality is that people will offend you and hurt your feelings, and worst of all, they won't stop to mop up your tears. And that's because they shouldn't have to. Learning to accept criticism, alternative viewpoints, and yes, even outright insults will make you happier in the long run. Uh, well, at least happier than routinely playing the victim card anyway. Harsh reality number two. You cannot be whatever you want to be. I mean, most of us can't. Some folks are lucky enough that they can, but yeah. Now, this is a comforting lie. Parents have started telling their children to boost their morale in school. But unfortunately, millennials are now convinced it's true, especially as society has now decided to push its narrative as well. The reality is if you're 17 years old and still can't figure out basic division, you're not going to be a rocket scientist. 
if you're overweight and unattractive, you're not going to be the quarterback's prom date. If you lack fine motor skills, you're not going to be a heart surgeon. And uh, you know what? It's okay to accept that you cannot be whatever it is that you want to be. In fact, once you accept this fact, you'll be able to focus on the things that you can be, the things you really are talented at. Harsh reality number three. Gender studies is a waste of money. Sorry, guys. And yes, that's right. You heard me. While some millennials taking useless degrees will claim they're beneficial for teaching or research positions, the reality is that they just put themselves several thousands of dollars in debt to learn how to be a professional victim. And really, I mean, all you have to do is listen to the Reverend Jesse Jackson or the Reverend Al Sharpton, and they can teach you the exact same things. Meanwhile, while you struggle, while you're struggling to make ends meet after graduation, because nobody who pays more than minimum wage is interested in your qualifications and your drowning in student loan debt, be sure to check out the next harsh reality before you start complaining. And that next harsh reality is, number four, if you live in America, you're already in the 1%. Ooh, feel the burn. That's right. Even though you work at McDonald's for minimum wage because you got a useless, outrageously expensive college degree, you're still far better off than the vast majority of the planet. Don't believe me? Fly to Uganda and check out the living conditions there. Fly to China, Saudi Arabia, North Korea, Iran, Russia, and even European countries like the Ukraine and Greece, and you'll quickly discover just how well off you really are. While it may be cool these days to dump on capitalism, it's the only reason you aren't already worse off. Harsh reality number five, you don't have a right… To it just because you exist. Yep, that includes health care, guaranteed income, and somewhere to live. Just because you're here and breathing doesn't mean society owes you anything. Like the billions of people who live before you, working hard is a better guarantor of wealth and the ability to comfortably take care of yourself than begging society or the government to do it for you. Demanding health care be a right, for example, is the equivalent to demanding government to force the taxpayers to pay for it. While that may seem like a good idea in theory, it only leads to rationing of health care when the cost becomes unsustainable which negatively impacts not just your health, but everyone else's too. Of course, you know, the millennials typically don't see much past their own uh, well-being these days, but uh, they do pride themselves on being compassionate, so maybe that'll drive a point home. Harsh reality number six, you do have the right to live as you please. 
but not to demand people accept it. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't matter how you live in homes. You want to live a certain way? That's on you. But you can't make other people be okay with it. Now, by contrast, you do have the right to live however you please, so long as it's within the confines of the law, of course. Now, that's a little hard for some folks. Ask Hillary Clinton. <clears throat> if you want to cross-dress, smoke marijuana, drink lots of alcohol, have lots of sex, and yes, even go to school for gender studies, then by all means, go for it. Government should not be allowed to legislate people's behavior as long as it doesn't infringe upon someone else's rights. But that doesn't mean society isn't allowed to have an opinion. In fact, I encourage you to have an opinion based largely on information. Go out there. Learn things. Know what things are. Be prepared. And that's part of the tagline here at the show is use your brain. You don't have the right to demand people keep their opinions about your lifestyle to themselves, especially if you're open and public about it. You want to put it out there for the world to see, then expect somebody to say something back, period. And guess what? Sorry, millennials. It's not all going to be sunshine rainbows and people uh, giving you tree-hugging hippie hugs. I have as much right to comment on the way you live your life as you do to actually live it. Your feelings are not a protected right. But guess what? <laughs> My speech, at least for the time being, it still is. And last but certainly not least, harsh reality number seven, and possibly the most important one for this or any other generation. The only safe space is your home. No matter where you go in life, someone will be there to offend you. In fact, proper application of the First Amendment guarantees you will be offended at some point. So get used to it. Now, maybe it's a joke you overheard on vacation, a spat at the office, or a difference of opinion with someone in line at the grocery store. <sighs> Shame. People actually still have to go buy their own groceries, isn't it? <laughs> Inevitably… Actually, if you study gender studies in college, how are you affording groceries? Must be EBT. Anyway, <laughs> inevitably someone will offend you and your values. If you cannot handle that without losing control of your emotions and reverting back to your safe space away from the harmful words of others, then you're best to just Stay at the house. Remember, though, if people in the outside world scare you, people on the internet will, will downright terrify you. It's probably best to just accept these harsh realities of life and go out into the world prepared to confront them wherever they may be waiting. Now, I absolutely applaud this from the get-go. The get it is awesome. Uh, I read the majority of it, and I embellished a little here and there. But that was an awesome piece, and that was a headline you may have missed this week that uh, everybody should check out. Again, uh, if you're interested in seeing it for yourself, 
Uh, it was at www.zerohedge.com backslash news. Harsh realities life millennials need to understand. It was a good one. Now, outrages of the week. There were, of course, some of those. Uh, biggest outrage of the week still has to be Barack Hussein Alu Akbar Obama's decision to go to South by Southwest Film and Music Festival and skip out on Nancy Reagan's funeral. Absolutely unacceptable from a president. I, you know, I, I get you want to go hobnob with celebrities and you want to go be cool. I get wanting to do that. You want to get outside of the normal realm of who is and what is a president, and I can be a hipster. Barry has certainly been a hipster president. He's gone by his own rules. He's redefined what it means to be presidential. But to go to South by Southwest instead of going to Nancy Reagan's funeral, it's tasteless. It's tacky, and it's beneath the office that you're supposed to be holding. If you want to occupy the White House, then you have to expect to go to Antonin Scalia's funeral, Nancy Reagan's funeral, and anyone else's that pops up that it's appropriate. (laughs) And it doesn't matter if you agree with their politics or if they – strongly represented something idealized on the other side of the aisle. What matters is the fact that these were public servants who dedicated their life to making America better for not just people on their side of the aisle, but for everyone. The Just Say No anti-drug campaign alone was enough to justify every president, whoever might come along, to attend Nancy Reagan's funeral. Now, I can see where maybe Barry's not down with that either. You know, rumor is Barry likes the the, the marijuana. Now, let me be clear. I am a United, and I certainly have played no role in the division that our country faces today. But I do like the light up. Okay, so Barack Hussein al-Akbar Obama likes to light up, and we know this not only from his autobiographies that I think pretty much everyone universally agrees with the fact that it was Bill Ayers who actually wrote those autobiographies and not uh, Mr. Obama, but uh, we also know it from his behavior, his records, uh, the ones that are still available. He's gotten himself into trouble a few times because of marijuana. He admitted to cocaine use. You know, all of this in his books. And this is supposedly to try and make it okay. So you can do that and still become the president. But if you want to be the president, then you should want to act like the president. That's a very important role in being the president. So if you've got something to skip, that should be you – know, it should be something else that was equally or more important 
an appearance at South by Southwest does not rise to that occasion. So sorry, Barack, that's where you should have cut ties and went. Did you want to go? Yeah, I get that. Would it have been cool? Yeah, I get that. Is hobnobbing with celebrities when you've got your own celebrity going on? When you're cool, Barry Sarbo. Yeah. Yeah, I get all of that. But Brock, you're caught up in the celebrity part. What about actually doing the job? I know you've not really gotten the idea of doing the job. You've not stepped up. You've not done much in the way of any of your constitutional responsibilities. But seriously, at some point, don't you think you ought to? I'm pretty sure, in fact, that you could have went to South by Southwest, came to the funeral, and went back and still not missed that much. I mean, even if it's just for the appearance, do it. It's outrageous that you would make it publicly known that, yeah, not only am I going to skip it, but, uh, you know, I'm Barack Obama, and I'm going to South by Southwest. Thank you. It was actually also uh, rather outrageous this week that he did, in fact, make a quote claiming that he has nothing to do with the divisiveness in this country. He blamed it on Republicans and certain news media outlets. Now, I'm pretty sure he was referencing Fox News, but I have not seen Fox News do anything other than help tote the liberalist agenda for the past, I don't know, six to 18 months easily. And to be honest, I've noticed a change overall at Fox News since the days that uh, Mr. Murdoch's British holdings came under fire for... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Illegally obtaining certain recordings and then airing those live. So, well, I mean, he didn't air them live, but they aired the recordings that they weren't supposed to have. There's been a very different tone to Fox News since that day. At any rate, uh, real quick headlines that you uh, may have missed are gone. Outrage of the week number two. Billionaire George Soros funds $15 million effort to stop Trump in an effort to mobilize Latinos. Uh, yes, that's right. Donald Trump often notes that he has plenty of millions to battle his way to the Oval Office. But now another billionaire, New Yorker, is putting up his own millions to prevent Trump from winning the presidency and is calling on Latinos to be part of that effort. 
financier, George Soros, or as I refer to him, Satan, <laughs> George Soros is launching, along with other donors, a $15 million campaign to achieve the largest Latino and immigrant participation at the polls. This according to an article at the New York Times. Through a new super PAC named Immigrant Voters Win, the campaign is funded is funding organizations in states like Florida, Nevada, and Colorado, which have large or growing Latino and Asian communities in the hopes of influencing turnout in November. Uh, Trump shot to the front of the Republican presidential field last year and has pretty well stayed there, but he did so by proposing a hardline immigration policy. So the Hungarian-born Soros is contributing $5 million of his own money to this $15 million campaign. People involved in the effort told uh, the New York Times uh, for the purposes of the article that it is the largest Democratic voter turnout effort campaign to target Latinos and immigrants. The goal is to have a minimum of 400,000 new voters by the general election in November. Well, you know what? All I can say, George, is as long as these Latinos and Asians are here legally and have the legal right to vote, then that's okay. Go ahead. Do your worst. But what exactly are you trying to achieve other than continuing to keep people divided? According to Cristobal Alex, this is, quote, this is really taking the gloves off. The president of the Latino Victory Project, uh, which is part of the campaign, uh, Mr. Cristobal Alex, uh, also said that uh, from the first day that Trump attacked us, he called us rapists and thieves. We could have a giant wall built and millions of families broken apart. This country is on the precipice. Oh... According to political experts, they generally agree that Trump has turned the professional race into one like no other in recent history. A billionaire who never has held political office, his candidacy was greeted with skepticism, with many considering his campaign a joke. Most analysts didn't give him much of a chance of winning the GOP nomination. Uh, instead, Trump's cultivated a strong and loyal group of supporters who have gone to the primaries in large numbers. In televised GOP debates, ratings have been high, something many experts attribute to the novelty of Trump's brash and unpredictable style. He consistently has ended up in the top slot of national polls of GOP voters and has won more primaries and caucuses than any of his GOP rivals. Democratic voters, by contrast, seem far less enthusiastic, worrying many who want to stop Trump's march to the White House. Democratic debates now including just Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders have drawn much smaller audiences than the GOP debates, and Democratic primaries and caucuses have also had lower turnouts than other GOP counterparts. 
Conservatives, to be sure, are hardly sitting by idly as Soros and company begin their Latino outreach. But uh, the bottom line is, why are you targeting Latinos? Why are you even getting involved in the campaign, George? This is not your fight. It's just not. So uh, those are the two outrages of the week. I see that Mary has joined us in the chat room. Hello, Mary. How are you doing? Also see Crystal is in there as well. Uh, Have you guys seen Lady Michelle lately? I think she might be mad at me. (laughs) I'll tell you that story if time allows at the end. And uh, In the meanwhile, uh, in the event that she is, please let her know that I'm officially apologizing on air. Uh, I posted a meme, and I liked and shared a meme on Facebook. Uh, And part of me, I was kind of conflicted on doing it or not, but it uh, basically uh, was talking about how many – you see her everywhere, but you know she hasn't been here in a couple of weeks, and that's about the same time I posted this meme, and I think that maybe she's mad at me. I'll contact her directly later too and apologize in person or electronically at least. Because uh, I didn't mean any harm by it, but the meme was basically a crack on Donald Trump, which you know, uh, by now, Lady Michelle has jumped on the Trump train and she's behind him and supporting him, and yeah, that's fine. I don't crash anybody who's supporting anybody. Trump's not my choice. Uh, you guys know that the irregulars, at any rate. But uh, the meme actually said, "How many Trump supporters does it take to?" do something, and then it just goes on, and it continues to respond in a fashion that's very much the way Trump answers all of his questions, which is just to say this, that, and I'll tell you what, I I love these people, and blah, blah. You you know how Trump talks at this point. Everybody's listened to him. Uh, And I went ahead and shared it because I thought most people would understand that it's cracking on the way Trump answers the questions, but I did have some folks respond negatively who are Trump supporters. They didn't appreciate the fact that it actually was directed essentially at Trump supporters. So that probably was not my best moment because I was legitimately enjoying the humor of pointing out how Trump answers questions and how you know, we have strongly criticized political double speech for a long time, and this is double speech of the highest caliber. But because it does say Trump supporters at the top, I'm afraid some people kind of got angry about it. And Lady Michelle was one of the people that commented uh, on that, uh, saying that she was offended. So as of right now, I officially apologize. Specifically to Lady Michelle and to anyone else who happens. Does he answer questions? <laughs> You're right, Mary. He never does. Uh, I've yet to hear exactly what his plan is for making Mexico pay for the wall. All he ever says is, believe me, they'll pay for it. Believe me. Oh, they're going to pay. And now it's going to be 10 feet high. <laughs> he never answers a, a legitimate question. I mean, I've never heard him actually answer one. It is always a double speech, and he just goes on about doubling down on the statements that he's made, which is fine. It's working great for him. Uh, it's not something that just anybody can get away with. He's getting away with it, so what have you. But uh, as far as uh, Michelle is concerned, I 
certainly didn't mean to offend anyone. I just thought the humor about how he answers the question was poignant. I've been putting out uh, stuff that's equally humorous about Cruz, which has gotten me a lot of heat from from the days when I was strong uh, on the Cruz support before I really went back and and made the determination that, no, he's just really not eligible. Uh, so now I'm not on their plate either. So a lot of those folks are mad at me for coming out and saying, sorry, guys, he's not there. I've been doing some things, anything that I thought was legitimately funny. But this one did specifically say supporters. Uh, I thought people would get it, especially the people who listen to the show because you guys know that I give anybody time here as long as they're respectful, and I try to be respectful to all the various opinions. Uh, if I don't agree with you, guess what? Eh, I don't agree, but uh, that just means that you don't agree with me, and you know what? That's part of what makes America great, and it doesn't need to be great again because it's already great. There's room for improvement, a lot of room at the moment, but it's still great. That's part of why. So uh, if you're a Trump supporter and you saw this meme and you're currently mad at me, please forgive me. It really wasn't, in my mind, an issue about Trump supporters because like I pointed out earlier, uh, uh, Ted Cruz really stepped in it when he made the statements about how most of the uh, Trump supporters were low-information folks. Well, that's just not the case. It's not true. The overwhelming majority of Trump supporters that I know are just the opposite. That's part of why I've been so surprised that so many of them are so adamant about Trump. But uh, again, Mary, if, if you do happen to see her later in one of the other broadcasts, and I know you're bound to, uh, if you would please let her know that I publicly apologize specifically to her and then to all Trump supporters in general. And I'll probably just shoot her a message. I, I've been kind of waiting just to see if maybe it's just something else because I really didn't think Michelle would be the type of person to to just you – know, it's the ones crossing over that are low info. Ah, well, that's a great point, Mary. Uh, that uh, may be true, but that's not exactly the way Cruz put it initially. And uh, yes, and uh, thank you, Mary. I appreciate it uh, because I, I certainly never intended to hurt anyone's feelings, and that's one of these things where uh, you know we've all gotten so sensitive over this primary. I hate to see what's going to happen in the general. I really do, because things are going to get heated. And uh, you know, when it comes to folks who have supported the show, other than Mary, uh, the Zarina, as the professor calls her. This arena, which I like that as a nickname for you, by the way, Mary. Um, I'm not going to use it myself because you know that's the professor's thing. I don't want to step on any toes, but I do think it suits you. But other than Mary, uh, Michelle has been one of the most regular listeners, most regular participants in the chat room, uh, a, a big supporter of the show, and I certainly would hate to think that uh, I damaged that relationship over a Facebook meme. I mean, that's I, 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 and I'm not saying that she's not right to be offended. I'm saying that I should have put a little more thought into it, and knowing that it does specifically say supporters, I should have shied away from it and not gone with it. I, that was me. That's on me. And my intentions aside, I still posted it. 
obviously some feelings were hurt because I got more responses than just from her. And uh, what can I say? I was wrong, and I apologize. Uh, and as Mary says, everybody gets offended now and then, and that's true. And like I've said several times, including once earlier when we were talking about uh, the seven brutal truths that ever uh, millennial needs to come to grips with, uh, the proper application of the First Amendment uh, pretty much guarantees that you're going to be offended at some point. Uh, of course, uh, Mary also follows up uh, with uh, when she gets offended, she gets over it. <laughs> that's the way it's supposed to work. Uh, there's nothing going on on this show, or there's nothing going on in Facebook, and there's nothing going on in Twitter that is worthy of you getting overly upset about, and certainly over cutting ties with people that you know to be good people. And regardless of all that, though, uh, I honestly was a little surprised that it really offended her that much. Uh, and now Mary is asking me, you know, Cruz is running a very dirty campaign. Yes, yes, Mary. Uh, <laughs> I, I have been upset with Cruz and how his campaign's been going since uh, Iowa. What he did to Ben Carson it was unforgivable. Uh, which again, you know, I, part of why I would think that Ben Carson was. Uh, was uh, doing the endorsement for uh, Trump. I think had the Cruz camp not done him dirty, that he probably would have been more likely to endorse Cruz because I think they probably mesh closer together ideologically. Now, I, I know what I've heard uh, Dr. Carson say, and he's been very supportive of Donald Trump since making his announcement. Uh, I don't know how much of that really is uh, still just being mad at Cruz, though. Uh, and he's got every right to be. Uh, Cruz is the campaign. Uh, you know, He fired his, one of his communication directors over a crappy thing that he did to Rubio, and there's just so much that the, uh, the Cruz campaign has done is for every good thing that I ever thought about him, he's verified every dark side thing that uh, Ken Crow had talked about uh, in the past on some of his visits here. Uh, of course, Mary says that she's trying to see Trump in Carson's eyes, and but she's holding off judgment for now. Uh, lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not something where I'm really uh, trying to be negative towards... Uh, Dr. Carson, as far as endorsing Trump, uh, I just – I think that part of that endorsement still comes from being angry at the Cruz campaign, if not at Ted Cruz uh, directly. I mean, not all of it. I, I don't think that – I don't think Dr. Carson is the kind of guy that would just go do it just because his business are hurt. 
I think he put some real thought into it, and I think he's talked to Donald enough that he at least believes that Donald's heart is in the right place. And maybe it is. Maybe maybe I'm the one who's just been over the top, uh, unwilling to accept what Trump's had to say at face value just because of things Trump's done in the past. I mean I am a firm believer in folks getting second chances. But I haven't seen enough from Trump to believe that he really means everything he said. Uh, Mary says that she's waiting for Trump to tone it down. And, uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen now, though, because there for about two weeks she really tried. She tried to be more presidential, and you know, the numbers started to drop a little bit. The people that are supporting him for the most part, they don't want him to tone it down. They want him being boombastic. They want him being that tough-talking guy. And I think that's part of why we have to talk about today's main topic. Now, I meant to get into it for most of the hour, but quite honestly, uh, I'm a little long-winded on the other topics. And I wanted to make sure we got our headlines you may have missed and uh, outrages of the weekend and, of course, the election update, which we did right off the top of the show. So now… We've still got more than 30 minutes, and I'm going to open up the phone lines. If somebody would like to call in, you're more than welcome to. You can give me a call at area code 347-426-3550, or if you have Skype and are listening directly from the BTR site, there's a little uh, phone button that uh, you can dial in via Skype. All I ask you to do is keep it relatively clean. And uh, be respectful, and I'll let you have your say. But we really need to talk about what transpired this past weekend at these Trump events. I mean, uh, to me, I'm going to be revitalizing and revamping an old segment that's kind of went away. I'm going to bring it back, and uh, we're going to take some look at stuff. It's called the Conspiracy Corner. It's probably about three or four weeks down the road, though, as the next two weeks I've got guests scheduled to come on, at least tentatively scheduled. I'm going to try and make sure we get them verified. Uh, I think it'll be kind of interesting. But uh, one of the things that we're really looking at with this violence is the finger pointing that's happened since then. Uh, and Mary's pointing out in the chat room right now, Ted Cruz got really nasty in trying to blame Donald Trump for this. Marco Rubio also made statements about how uh, Donald Trump has created the environment for this. I've seen videos popping up on Facebook and on Twitter uh, since yesterday that show these montages of the people getting escorted from uh, – Trump events and statements he's made in regards to having to fight these people and that it was appropriate to rough them up a little bit. And when you hear statements like that, it's real easy for people to sit back and say, you created this environment. But the thing about that is somebody had to come in and start something. Friday night, Friday night was crazy. Uh, you're in Chicago. No surprise that 
there's the potential for violence in Chicago. The real surprise is that the majority of the protesters there seem to be Bernie Sanders supporters uh, with a slight sprinkling of Black Lives Matters protesters thrown in for good measure. Uh, <laughs> and Mary uh, is quick to point out that Trump didn't start Black Lives Matter. Uh, you're right. Uh, but a lot of people seem to have this misguided notion that Trump is a racist, so of course Black Lives Matters gets upset about it. In truth, I don't believe Donald Trump's a racist. He may be a lot of other things, a lot of them very negative in my opinion. He may be, but I don't think Donald Trump's a racist, and I don't for a second believe that that to be the case because of working relationships I've seen him have with other people. I think… The only thing that he has any type of prejudice against is deals, and if those deals aren't going to make him money, he's against it. And I don't think that's a bad thing either. Uh, capitalism 101. Uh, stay away from a bad deal. Go for a good deal. And what determines a good deal to a bad deal often depends on which end of the deal you're on because usually a good deal for one person isn't always such a good deal for everyone else. There's not that many true win-win deals out there, and I would imagine that's probably the case more so with Donald than anybody else. Uh, Mary also points out that uh, Black Lives Matter attacks Hillary and Bernie too, and they do. Let's not forget that uh, they're – although it never really seemed like it – there were other people running in the Democratic primary early on. In fact, I think most of us can remember former Virginia – no, Maryland. I'm sorry, former Maryland Governor O'Malley. O'Malley was the first member of the presidential campaign, either party, to be attacked by Black Lives Matter. They came up, and they tried to take over one of his events. And he allowed them to come up and ask questions. He allowed them a spot on the stage, much like Bernie did, and eventually they took over Bernie's. Um, which, you know, first that was the first big mistake. They should have never let these people do that because then they thought that meant they had permission to do it to everybody wherever. And that's been part of the problem here. But you know, it was O'Malley who uns unthinkingly just said, yes, I believe black lives matter. I believe white lives matter. I believe all lives matter. Now, ordinarily, that's an answer that plays well, especially among Democrats, because you know how compassionate all Democrats are. It was that incident that eventually led, inevitably led, to O'Malley having to get out of the race. I mean, yeah, he was never really going to get into this primary. Should O'Malley have been able to do better than Bernie? Uh, in most election years, I would say yes, but unfortunately, uh, this isn't a typical election year. But is it just Black Lives Matter? Uh, Crystal in the chat room actually points out that uh, back on March 4th, uh, Barack Hussein Alu Akbar Obama himself had to kick some Black Lives Matter folks out of one of his speeches, and that's a great point. But Black Lives Matter isn't the only people involved here. It is scary to think about what's actually going on here because we had an event, a scheduled event that 
ends up being canceled. And I remember thinking the first thing that I thought was, no, you can't cancel it because then they'll just – everywhere else you go, you're going to be facing the same thing. They're going to organize. George Soros is going to give $15 million to have a bunch of Hispanic people come out. Hispanics and Asians, evidently. I wasn't aware that the Asian community was that much against Donald Trump. And MoveOn.org, not long after the incident yesterday at another rally where somebody came up and tugged on Trump's pants… I mean, it's kind of a scary moment when you think about it because if he got that close and had ill intentions, how much damage could have been done? How many other people could have been hurt? Secret Service, they jumped around Trump in a hurry, but it still was kind of too slow to have made a difference if that person had had bad intentions. Now… For the most part, most of the violence that we've seen at Trump rallies in particular is an issue of individual Black Lives Matter protesters going down, trying to protest, and it usually doesn't end well for them because they're usually not that violent. They just say a bunch of stuff, and then as they're being let out, they either get roughed up a little bit by security, which – sorry, guys. You go into an event, and you force security to remove you. It may not be right. But you kind of got to expect security is going to rough you up a little bit if they have to put your, their hands on you at all. You know, If you just peacefully go along and they never have to touch you, then they won't because they don't want to open themselves up to that. But if it gets to the point where they have to physically touch you, they're probably going to be a little rougher than they have to be. That should not be a mystery or unexpected when it happens. If you're going to protest somebody and – Somebody else hasn't already told you that. Consider this your fair warning. Expect it. So the majority of violence has actually been not so much security though, but a few people in the crowd have gotten a little unruly and taken swings at folks. Now that's not right. I don't condone the violence at any point. But uh, like I said, you got to kind of expect it if security has to actually lay hands on you that. Getting a little roughed up is probably going to happen. Again, I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying it's right, but expect it. It should be. If you're going to go protest, you shouldn't be so stupid as to do this. But here, uh, Black Lives Matter folks, Bernie Sanders folks, MoveOn.org folks. And that's a name you hadn't heard much this campaign cycle, is it? All you folks, you want to go protest a Donald Trump event, here's what you do. You go outside where that venue is going to be, and you amass, and you chant, and you hold your signs, and you do whatever it is you're going to do. But don't go inside the building. Don't go under the tent. Don't put yourself in the same space with the people who have every legal right to go support their candidate. Don't try to physically or try to shout down the candidate who has every legal right… Constitutionally guaranteed to say what they have to say on that stage. Wherever they're at, whatever they're doing, they have a right to be heard. The First Amendment is a guarantee that Donald Trump can go where he wants to go and say what he wants to say, right or wrong. We're free to agree or disagree with it. We're free to criticize it or applaud it. 
But at the end of the day, you don't have a right to interfere with someone else's rights. Your rights go just as far as the next person's begin. So that's, that's always been the standard. Your rights end where the next person's begins. So you have a right all day long to go protest. Stay out of the streets. I mean that's another Black Lives Matter thing. They want to try and cut off streets and all these places, and please just get out of the way. Do you know how lucky you people are that more of you haven't been run over? I mean it's happened to a degree. Fortunately, there hasn't been a, uh, a whole lot of terrible, terrible injuries as a result. But do you know how lucky you've been that that hasn't happened a lot more? Get out of the roads. I, I don't even think I was three before I had learned, don't get in the road. That's a bad idea. You want to protest something, then do it the right way. You've got a right to protest it. I don't agree with you. But you've still got a right to go out there and protest. Just do it right. And you do it right, there's not going to be threats of violence in Chicago on a Friday evening. There's not going to be idiots coming up uh, and trying to stage crash on a Saturday at an event. Do it the right way because, like I said, Cruz, Rubio, uh, Hillary, they've all come out, and they have dumped on Trump. Uh, Fox News has dumped on Trump. Everybody has squarely tried to put all of this threat of violence, uh, the arrest, the violence that took place during the protest after the event was canceled Friday night. They're trying to lay all that squarely on Donald Trump's shoulders because he said some bombastic things in regards to things like, well, uh, the crowd uh, swung back. They needed to. We are. We need more of that, or however it was he put it. Has he done things to encourage violence? Well, he hasn't done much to discourage it, but is that the same thing? Does it really matter? Does it matter? That he hasn't discouraged it. Because regardless, it still takes two sides to make this happen. There's no way you can firmly put the blame squarely on one. And can somebody please tell me what exactly did MoveOn.org mean with their very vague yet somehow ominous statement that uh, Trump supporters, you have been put on notice… I mean they're not about to uh, expand on that any. They're not laying out exactly what it is they mean by it, but it sounds very ominous to me. So I think at this point, MoveOn.org is going to have to take some responsibility if there's actually uh, some more violence down the road at this point. And at this point, I firmly expect it. I really do. Uh, I mentioned the conspiracy corner uh, segment earlier because I was trying to get to the point that uh, you know for the first time it occurs to me. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, we've talked in the past uh, during Conspiracy Corners, and uh, it's been a topic before. Uh, if a new American Civil War uh, is a possibility... And if so, what would actually be the trigger? Never in a million years would I have guessed a potential trigger point for a second American uh, civil war might be protesters at a Donald Trump event. But based on the way this past weekend's played out, I now firmly believe that that could be a possibility. I don't think it's going to happen, but the sides are so polarized and… People are being paid to go participate in uh, in some of this. That's exactly what the George Soros Super PAC is all about. They claim they're just trying to get voter turnout, but please, since when do you need $15 million for a voter turnout Super PAC aimed specifically at the Hispanic community? And again, they keep throwing in the Asian community for some reason. Uh, don't think Asians have the same issue. In fact, I don't think very many legal Hispanics have the same issue. But uh, they've managed to somehow twist the words around uh, into claiming that building this wall is racist. Hello, uh, controlling our southern border and controlling who does and does not come in and out of the country has never been a racist thing. And if you are so easily twisted into believing that it is or even could be, then you're part of the problem. Okay, so don't blame Trump for that. You know, the fact that Trump is not my first uh, choice for candidate really, really pisses me off that we have to have this conversation. I mean, for two separate occasions, I find myself defending Trump, and the, the whole GOP establishment thing has me to a point where. I almost want him to win now just to stick it to the GOP. I shouldn't have to feel that way about the GOP, but that's where I'm at. And then to for these people to step back and jump on Trump, and I have heard nobody other than Trump himself lay any blame for this threats of violence or the what little bit of violence that's actually taken place uh, on where it, it actually belongs, and that's the people who are – Trying to physically disrupt an event. If you do that, you are opening yourself up. Mary uh, in the chat room says Mexican isn't a race. And you're right, Mexican isn't. Uh, and building a wall between here and Mexico isn't a racist thing. I would still really, really like to know exactly how Donald is planning on get, making the Mexicans pay for that fence. He's going to build a wall, and the Mexicans are going to pay for it. I don't see that happen myself. Uh, maybe he has some secret plan for it that he just doesn't want to mention. But I really would like an answer to that one. Exactly how, Donald, do you plan on making Mexico a wall? 
it would based on where the Mexican economy is right now, uh, while it's been improving over the last decade or so, that's still largely uh, due to American dollars being sent there by illegals who come here, work, and send it home. So I don't know. As far as uh, as far as MoveOn.org is concerned, though, let me ask you. Since 2000, every election cycle since then, MoveOn.org has been a factor in helping to organize the so-called progressive uh, message and agenda into uh, the election years. Wasn't an election cycle that went by that you didn't hear about MoveOn.org uh, financing something, supporting candidates, doing this, attacking that person. But for this election cycle, and again, I think largely to do with the fact that Donald Trump just sucks up all the media attention wherever he goes. It's like he's a. It's like there's a little bit of water at the bottom of a little dish, and that's all the media attention for everybody. And then Donald is like this big old sponge, and he just gets right down in the middle, and suddenly there's nothing left for anybody else. So I don't even know how active MoveOn.org has been in this campaign cycle because I haven't heard anything about them pretty much. I think they've been relatively irrelevant to this particular election cycle, and I think they chimed in over this whole threat of violence thing just as a way to get their names attached to a headline and attached to Donald Trump so that that headline might hang on a while. A desperate attempt. Much like Mittens Romney giving his little GOP establishment speech, a desperate attempt just to be relevant again. I think that's all it was. But if you're going to come out and make a cryptic statement like Trump supporters, you've been put on notice, well, whether you've had anything to do with it or not, from that point forward, you're going to have to accept some of the responsibility of whatever might be yet to come. Uh, Mary in the chat room points out that uh, Move On may be bankrolling Black Lives Matter, and that may be the case. It, in fact, it wouldn't surprise me a bit to find them uh, being strong supporters there and even finding move, money being redirected from Media Matters into MoveOn.org that route just so that Media Matters can continue to claim to be Nonprofit and simply talking about the role of media rather than being directly involved in campaigns and the like. And really, part of why it wouldn't surprise me any is I really don't know how much money MoveOn.org still has coming into its coffers. Like I said, I think they would have been paying for more time just to be relevant if they could have afforded to. MoveOn.org has never been the type of group that can stand to be working behind the scenes. They're filled with people that want to be in the spotlight. I mean, that's the only reason Al Gore got so chummy with them. But in the end, let me ask you guys who are in the chat room right now, and anybody who wants to call in in this next little bit. We've got about 17 minutes left. It's about 17 and a half running, but if anybody wants to give a ring, I'd really like to ask, do you – well, I guess the better statement is who 
do you think is more responsible or most responsible or just responsible for the threats of violence and the violence we've seen to this point? Mary asks, how much does uh, Soros have? Uh, billions. George Soros is a billionaire. Uh, you know, he's freely given up $5 million for this project to bring uh, Hispanics into the vote. He's got billions. Uh, Soros was a major contributor to move on uh, at some point. May still be. Probably the only supporter still left because they've been irrelevant this cycle. So, but what do you guys think? Seriously, uh, who's responsible for uh, the violence that we've seen and the threats of violence and any violence coming down the road? I mean, it's been crazy. Craziest couple of days. Uh, Mary, Crystal, you guys in the chat room, uh, what do you think about it? Uh, go ahead and let me know what you guys think, and I'll share it here on air. But uh, well, uh, Mary says she thinks it's Soros. Uh, Crystal uh, says I had a feeling that some of those people in Chicago were paid uh, provocateurs. And yeah, I I don't doubt either one of those to be the case because this happened in Chicago almost immediately after Soros came public. Uh, about this new super PAC. Now, again, voter outreach shows up in a lot of different ways. But uh, who ultimately is responsible? Is I tend to think that Trump does have to take a certain amount of responsibility based on being boombastic. But I, at the same time, would say that it takes two to tangle. It takes two sides to this type of an argument for it to escalate – violence. In order for this to continue the way it's going, and if it's going to continue to escalate, and I think it will at this point. I mean, it will, and I'll tell you why. Because Friday night worked. Again, I'm put into this position where I have to defend Trump, and I don't like doing that. I'm not on the Trump train, guys. Now, I'm not on anybody's train right now. I don't have a candidate left them pulling for at this point. I'm just on the anybody but Hillary as long as it's not Bernie camp. So I guess right now it kind of looks pretty much like maybe I'm a Trump supporter by default. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm, I'm not on the Trump train. I've tried to keep an open mind, and I'm hopeful that my impressions are off. But uh, here I am having to defend Trump again because Trump was put in an impossible situation Friday night. The campaign either canceled the event because of the potential of violence or they go ahead with the event. Now, if he goes ahead with the event and then something happens, then it's a negative thing. I've got a caller on the line, uh, so we'll go ahead and we will uh, open up the line. Uh, go ahead, caller. Hello, how are you? Doing all right, thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing well. My name is Pianchi. I'm calling from the St. Louis area. All right, so and I'm a Trump show. supporter. Okay. I was at his rally Friday in St. Louis. 
And it was a peaceful rally, except for some incidents. You know, when you buy a ticket, and you're not buying the tickets. Tickets are free. You can get them at even bright, the app on your phone. What's printed on the tic- ticket is some general information. I don't know if have you ever had opportunity, have you ever been to one of these rallies yourself? Actually, I have not. I've well, been invited to a couple, but I skipped them. Yeah. On the ticket, Friday, it said, general information, no posters, banners, or signs may be brought into the event. There is no dress code, no professional cameras with a detachable lens are permitted, no tripods, monopods, selfie sticks, or GoPros. ID is not required for entry. So when you get inside this event and all of a sudden you unravel a large banner or poster, then quite naturally then they're going to ask you to leave. Right. And if you don't leave in some respectful amount of time, then you asking for people to start using, you know, physical force in order to make you leave. So how much clearer can that get? Now, you know, on the outside, I sit on the 14th Street side, and I watch long lines walk two, three blocks down, two blocks to the right, make another right and walk back up three blocks, form circles like that around the building. And majority of the attendees, well, the vast majority were white. You did have some black families that was also in the crowd. But you had an area that was barricaded off for the protesters to, you know, show their signs, do their chants, and so on and so on. But you had some provocateurs that uh, you had one gentleman you had on a red mask. He was standing on and stomping the U.S. flag. And you had some other people that was, you know, doing some really shouting back and forth over the barricade until you had one. And this, you know, African-American man jumped over into the line and started, you know, tussling with a person that was in the line. Now, you know what I think about this. I think both of them were provocateurs. You know, somebody that's being paid because the things I said I saw going on as far as the protests, I wouldn't have done unless somebody paid me very well. Right. So, okay, so so your impression here from what you saw yourself at the rally you were at is that there are some people that are organized and are intentionally trying to cause this issue, not because they're genuinely protesting one event, but more to the point that they want to put bad press, hoping it forces uh, either voters to move away from Trump or Trump to try and um, stop having these events? Yes, it, it could be both of those, all those reasons that you mentioned. And, you know, the police, and I know the chief of police, Dobson, uh, the police acts very professional in providing service for this event. As a matter of fact, there was another African-American male who had his 9 millimeter on one side. He had two clips on the other side of him, 130, 115 rounds. And he was shaking hands with the people in the uh, in the in the march, not the march, but as they walked to go into the building in the line, uh, he was there promoting CCW, and he was even shaking hands with the police. So, <laughs> you know, the, the, I don't, I didn't see all that. I had opportunity to talk to some people 
uh, that was there. One lady said she came from Farmington, Farmington, Missouri, which is way south. That's almost down to Arkansas. And she made mention about the, the unemployment in that town is like 60%. And many of the self-sustaining business, like uh, St. Joe Lead is closed, and other uh, manufacturers is closing. only thing left is just some strips of the retail stores. So people have concern. They have concern about, uh, of course, Social Security. Uh, Trump made mention about the Second Amendment, which people have a lot of concerns about. And he has a strong emphasis on uh, jobs, the jobs, education, these crazy student loans. So he was saying things that people wanted to hear. But, you know, the thing is with Trump, like Newt Gendrick said, he's not an insider. He's not part of the secret society. He's not a, a politician. So when the conversation comes across from him, it's as if you were sitting at a dinner table and it was a conversation going around. Well, that has always been part of his appeal uh, to most of the people that support him. Uh, I, I have no doubt about that. Uh, I have, while I haven't attended any uh, in person, I have watched a few that were broadcast. Uh, and uh, he actually has usually very focused discussions about the issues that people tend to care the most about. Uh, he, uh, he he's a unique individual. He's very bombastic, and I think that turns a lot of people off. You know, it does me in particular quite a bit because I want someone who's going to behave presidential. And I know that's kind of hard to define realistically, but I, it's easy enough to say that the Donald doesn't behave very presidential. Uh, but you know that's not what the supporters are after. The supporters want somebody no, who's going not. to be. They want somebody that's right. plain spoken. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going. To, I was just saying you're absolutely right. This, it's the, it's, well, what do the people want? You know, I, you remember the 1968 Democratic Convention in Chicago? You remember how I that actually, turned into a riot? Yeah, I uh, remember that from the history books. So this is a little before my time. Well, you well you sound much more mature than than what you actually are. But but that's all right. But that was a that was a big fiasco. People got hurt. Police was beating up on people, and so on and so on and so on. But I'm gonna say this: as long as I've been watching politics, and whether I was watching it by accident or it was something that was planned, I have never ever seen a political party go after a front runner. Maybe during the time of Richard Nixon, but the way they're going after Trump. Even the news, what are we going to do with Donald Trump? Remind me how a few years ago they were saying, what are we going to do with China? Well, in this case, I think it's what the people is asking for. They are sick and tired of the same old rigmarole, and they want something different. And they see it in this man. It has nothing to do about him and David Duke and so on and so on and so on. People say that, but they see it in this person, just like someone of an other political persuasion, we see something different. So, uh, you know, I'm going to let you get back to your program. I really appreciate the time, and uh, good luck to you. Okay. Well, before you go, let me – I think I know the answer, but let me go ahead and ask you straight up since you did call. Uh, I put the mm-hmm. question out there for the folks in the chat room. Who do you blame for the violence to this point and for the potential threat of future violence? 
Well, the violence is going on by someone who don't want to see some person like Trump that they can't control to become president. And like I mentioned earlier, Newt Gendrick, uh you can pull this up on YouTube, he made mention that uh, Trump did not belong to the secret society. And the secret society is those days and them that we always make mention of when we know something is going on, but we just can't positively explain it. Right. Okay, so uh, unlike Cruz and Rubio and Clinton, it's not on Trump, but uh, these folks that are bound and determined to try anything to stop Trump are the folks behind the violence. That's where you firmly put that blame at. Yeah, suppose this is this, this people behind the violence. Uh, these uh, people that's getting locked up, somebody's bailing them out. Yeah. And uh, like I said before, you can see 100 people go through, maybe more, two or 300 people go through on a, in the line, and all of a sudden you see two or three others coming along, and they're real vocal with the ones that's in the protest area being vocal back and forth. So uh, you just have to wonder, and I've seen this with my own eyes. I wanted to see it with my eyes. And I'm African-American, and the majority, vast majority was people that was in this rally was, you know, white. And, uh, you know, I, I I didn't have no uh, no racial slurs thrown my way. I didn't have no go back to Africa and all this stuff. I was talking to people, and they had legitimate concerns, whether it was veterans sleeping in the street or whether, like I mentioned before, uh, people coming from areas where 66 60% unemployment, and they're worried about the things that they paid into, like their Social Security and also their Medicare. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much for uh, calling. Appreciate you. You're welcome to call back anytime. And uh, Thank you. Again, uh, appreciate your input. All right. Well, you know, I think he lays that out pretty well, folks. Yeah. Uh, uh, he was at one rally, not the rallies in question here, but he saw this kind of thing going on. And he made the very, very perfect point early on that when they send the word out to these events, that they specifically tell you, you can't bring signs, you can't do this, you can't do that. And you follow those rules, you can come in and you can be part of the event. If you don't follow those rules, you should expect to be asked to leave. And if you don't leave once you've been asked, you should expect to be escorted. Uh, to this point, the majority of violence, if you want to call it that, has been focused on people having to be escorted out. This was a little different, though. This was somebody literally attacking uh, Donald Trump. Now, I mean, they were trying to stop this event from happening. But like I was saying before the call, and I know I'm down to just a, a little bit of time left here, so I'll try to hurry here. <clears throat> but uh, Trump and his campaign was put in an impossible situation because if you cancel the event at that point, then you've given them the green light to continue to do the same things for the remainder of the campaign, and they will. But if you don't cancel it and something bad was to happen, then… It's the same as what already happened anyway. Everybody is going to point a finger and blame you. 
It's your fault. You knew this was a possibility, and you didn't do enough to stop it. It's an impossible situation. Part of me was rooting for Trump to clear the area, and then once security was back in place, to let folks back in and have it anyway. But that would have been hard. Impossible situation, and you know, it's ridiculous for people to be blaming – at least blaming all of it on Trump anyway. You might be able to make the case that he's created an environment for some of this. He might have a legitimate point, but for the most part, it seems to be the actions of a few people that are just trying to stop Trump. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to have to be it as I'm inside the final 30 seconds. Thank you, everybody who participated, especially you folks in the chat room, and uh, uh, thank you, sir, for calling today. Much appreciation. Always love interaction, especially when you have good points to make. And remember, as I always say, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Always be prepared to put in a little effort and a little bit of time. Always use your brain. And uh, you know, you're going to have to put in some work if you really want to tap into the truth. That's it. Everybody have a great week, and we'll be back next week with a special guest, hopefully. <laughs> At any rate, thanks a lot, and we are out of here this week. Uh, going to go out to Miracle because I think that's what it's going to take to save the republic. Love you guys.